So our epistle for this morning comes to us from uh, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Listen to what Paul writes to us this morning. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For, he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you. And on a day of salvation, I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well-known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians, our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, but only in yours. In return, I speak as to children. Open wide your hearts also. So there's a lot that Paul has to tell us in this passage. And so it's best, I think, if we just take it a little at a time and examine what it is he's telling the church in Corinth, and by extension, we know that when Paul writes to a church in his letters, he's also writing to this church. And so, as he starts out, he says, As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. Now, when you hear that, that's a bold statement, a bold statement that's, that's really packed with meaning, and it just begs for us to break it down before we move on to the rest of the passage. Because you see, Paul is not merely talking about working together with the congregation at Corinth, and he's not by extension referring to working together with the church in Splendora. No, it, it, Paul's talking about working together with God. Joining in with what God is doing. Coming alongside God in the work of redemption and salvation that God is doing in the world. And as we work together with what God is doing in the world, Paul urges us not to accept the grace that God is pouring out on us in vain. Well, how do I accept God's grace in vain? 
what he's telling us is don't squander one little bit of this amazing, marvelous life that God has given you. God reminds us that when we needed help, he heard our cry and he gave us that help right in the nick of time, in God's perfect timing. That's the way God's grace works. Just what we need, exactly when we need it. If, if you were in Bible study Wednesday, you're going to hear this again. But I think this is a great illustration as to how God's grace works for us in the world. Uh, imagine, if you will, that from the throne room of God, there is a river that flows. And it flows continuously, has for the, since before the beginning of time, and will flow into eternity future, and it is the river of grace. Now, imagine that in your circumstances, when you have need of that grace of God, you were to walk to the river's edge and dip in a cup and pull out a cup of grace. Well, contained in that cup would be exactly what you need for your circumstance in this moment. That's amazing. The closest thing I can come to is if I were standing on a bridge fishing with my favorite fishing lure and I cast it into the river and for some reason it broke off of my line and the lure started to go downstream and I decided that's my favorite fishing lure, I'm going to go get it. And I jumped in my truck and I drove downstream to an undetermined point pulled off to the river's edge, jumped out, took my net, and dipped it in, and lo and behold, my fishing lure was in the net. That's how amazing this is. I mean, what are the odds that I drove to exactly the right spot at exactly the right time and dipped my net in at exactly the right time and pulled out my lure? But this is what God's grace does. Exactly when you need it, for exactly what you needed, you can dip your cup into the river of God's grace and pull out exactly what you need. God's grace intended, purpose specifically for you. Now, if that's not miraculous, I don't know what is. And so Paul tells us in the rest of verse 2, he says, see, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And I could read that again and it would still be true. Now is the acceptable time. Or, or, or now is the acceptable time. Or, or maybe it's now. You, you see my point. God's grace is always new and ready for you in whatever your circumstance whenever you need it. So, because we're called to join in with what God is doing in the world, because we're urged not to waste any time in joining in, and because we're reminded that God has been there for us in the past, He's already done the work of redemption and salvation through His Son. He completed the work on the cross and in the grave, and because of those wonderful things, 
Paul is now urging us here to re-engage in the ministry of the church. Well, I didn't know I was disengaged, Pastor. Well, it's a question of daily recommitting to the work of salvation. Daily recommitting to Christ. Daily dipping your cup into the river of grace and pulling out whatever it is that you need to continue to move forward as a minister of the faith. Paul says, now's the right time to listen. Now is the day to be helped. He says, don't put it off. Don't throw a roadblock into God's work by showing up late or by throwing a question mark over everything that God's doing. See, our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, as we remain alert, as we are unswervingly dedicated to the work of the kingdom, whether it's hard times or tough times or bad times, whether we find ourselves being beaten, jailed, and mobbed, we're going to continue to work hard. We're going to work late. Maybe we'll go without eating. Maybe we'll fast as we do this work. We're going to do it with a pure heart, with a clear head, with a steady hand. We're going to do it in gentleness and holiness and genuine love for our fellow man. And even though sometimes, even though we're telling the truth and God's showing his power, people are not going to accept what we have to say. We're going to keep on doing it anyway. We're we're going to do our best to proclaim Christ and to set things right in the world. Whether we're praised for it or blamed for it, whether we get slandered or whether we're honored for the work that we do, we're going to be true to our word, even though much of the world distrusts what we say or ignores what we say. Even though we're ignored by the world, we are recognized by God. And so, even though sometimes the church is rumored to be dead, we know that the body of Christ is amazingly, terrifically alive. And Paul says, even though we might be beaten to within an inch of our lives, we will refuse to die by the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Even though we may be immersed in tears, we will always be filled with deep joy. Even though we may live on handouts, we will enrich many and feed many with the Spirit of God. And even though we may have nothing in the eyes of the world, we truly will have everything. So what's Paul saying in a nutshell? He's saying even though we go through all this stuff as Christians, it it might seem as though we might be limited in our ability to join in with God with what God is already doing. But thank goodness it's not by our power, it's by God's power that we get this work accomplished. 
our ability to work alongside God as the church is not limited by the naysayers of the world. And so Paul writes this letter to us. And basically he says, dear people of countryside, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life that God has for you. He's saying the gospel, the kingdom work of God doesn't fence you in. If you feel small in the world, the feeling is is from you, not from God. Because your lives aren't small, you're just living them in a small way. And so he says, I'm, I'm speaking with you as plainly as I can and with great affection as a father for his children. I ask you to open up your lives to the people of this community to live openly and expansively. In other words, share the love of God, share the gospel of Jesus Christ in a bold, relentless journey of reconciliation. Only we can limit ourselves. We can say to ourselves, but I'm just one person. We can say to ourselves, I'm I'm not as strong as I used to be in my younger days. We can allow that worldview to fence us in, to limit us as the church, as individual ministers of the faith. We can let the world convince us of the ineffectiveness of our efforts, of our weakness, of our inability to affect any sort of change. But when we do that, it's just us limiting ourselves because the gospel of Jesus Christ will not be chained, will not be limited, will not be held in. And Paul reminds us, in Christ, we have influence over the world because Christ has overcome the world. The world has no power to limit you and the spread of the gospel. So don't live small. Live in the largeness, the grandeur, the effectiveness, the transformative power of Christ. That's who you are. Don't let the world tell you any differently. And come alongside God as the church, as the body of Christ, to transform the world, starting with this community. Transform the world around you in Jesus' name. It seems like an enormous task. It seems like the burden on our individual shoulders could be overwhelming. But as Cindy read, 
David had the Lord on his side. And the world can seem like a Goliath, nine foot tall and, and bigger and, and taunting us every step of the way, ridiculing our effort. But all it took was a sling and a stone. The mighty word of God, the truth, slung at the eel. And down it goes like a sack of bricks. You have the power of David because David and his power came from the Lord. Don't limit yourself because God has placed no limits on you. In the name of the Father and the Son, in the Holy Spirit. Amen.